Yeah, just uh, like seasonal, like outside allergies. But you know, whenever it's whenever it's as warm as it is down here, any day that it's in the 70s is a like a shock to your system. And right now it's it's 78. Ah. Uh. So it's uh it it's just a little a little different than waking up and it's already ninety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like cold. Seventy is cold. It feels good. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. a little chilly, but it feels good. <laughs> it's just now hitting seventy here after being probably in the like <laughs> mid to high sixties overnight. Oh, uh, and I've been God. struggling with like trying to make the family comfortable without the air conditioner on <laughs> when it's like 77 inside. I'm like, but the windows are open. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're like, you know, boiling when it gets to 80. So I can't even imagine. Is it at least, cause it was very humid in Mississippi. Are you far enough one direction or another that it's a dry heat? As no. They like to say? no, no, it's humid. Okay. The, it's very humid. The entire time, like, we were going around making our tour of telling people, oh, yeah, we're moving to Texas. Tim, I shit you not. Every single person said, oh, you'll be fine. There's no humidity in Texas. Oh, Absolutely wow. none. It's a dry heat. Tim, that is, that couldn't be further from the truth. West Texas. Yeah. West Texas is a dry heat. Because it's all fucking desert. There's no one that lives out there. That's why no one lives out there. Yeah, but yeah. East Texas you're thinking like Houston, College Station, Austin, even like Dallas, it's a wet heat. Yeah, wet heat. It's and hot and wet. Wet, <laughs> wet heat 14, backdoor <laughs> bandits. Yeah, I remember Mississippi I was that bad, one. but um, you know, we were so we were shocked by the humidity down there and it was awful cuz you know, you'd get into triple digits in the summer and it was just, you know, you you couldn't even go outside. It was nice, but you just couldn't go outside cuz it was too hot. Yeah. Um, so you couldn't even enjoy this, you know, the spring and summer. And I'm sure that's where you're, you are right now. But I remember going to new Orleans was like a completely different animal. Like when we got there, I guess it's a little bit further <laughs> South and, and on the water and stuff like we got out of the car and like, I, I felt like I took a breath underwater. I was yeah. like, I couldn't breathe for a yeah. second. I was like, <gasps> <gasps> cause we were, we had just, t- we had just driven like three hours in the air conditioning. And I get out, and I and and I'm like drenched immediately, and like literally, it was like breathing underwater. It was insane. So yeah, oh, I'd, I'd imagine God. you know just judging by where you are on the map that it's it's less like what they say Vegas or Phoenix or something is like, and more like New Orleans and Jackson. How how far was New Orleans from you when you were in Mississippi? Three hours. Give okay, or take. okay, yeah. it, it's six from us. So I was wondering. Yeah, it's worth a weekend. I gotta say, you know, you'll find tons to do there. It's awesome. Uh, even if you're not into the Bourbon Street scene, which we were, um, but you know, there's there's tons of great stuff <laughs> which, to do there. Which we were, because yeah. we're not fucking nerds. <laughs> I didn't hang out with nerds, Ted, uh, back then anyway. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> as you've gotten older, you hang out exclusively with your kids and nerds. <laughs> yeah, but even Bourbon Street during the day is, you know, you'll you'll find all sorts of people there. Um, so there's more to do than drinking. That's what I'm trying to get around to saying, you know. <laughs> And we did once we had kids, we would go back and explore all that stuff. Like there's a an aquarium there, I guess, that's very nice and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, you just have to be this more is gonna make great Patreon content. <laughs> you just have to be more into the culture than <laughs> you know, we went there so often though, we could go and just like, you know, have a lost weekend as it were. But I, I recommend it. It's it's worth a six hour trip. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I recommend visiting New Orleans once in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean six hours driving one way is is nothing that's for nothing. me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I remember how quickly, like, because three hours used to be our limit. We were like, oh, we could be in Memphis, we could be in New Orleans, a little bit longer, we can be in, uh, we could be down on the coast, we can be on the Gulf Coast, yeah. we could be in Birmingham and just, I think it was like four hours. So we were like, that's a short trip. And then when we moved up north where everything's more condensed, I think I, I've talked about this maybe even on the podcast, like, then like <laughs> you oh, got it's, spoiled. It's two hours? Ugh! Yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now you're back down in the spread out south where you're like, oh, only 10 hours? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think three hours right now is my my limit of like it, – it, that's my get up and go yeah. limit. I, yeah. Everything else is like, okay, I need a little bit more planning than just like, hey, yeah, let's go right now. Because, yes. I mean, three hours will get you to Dallas, to yeah. San Antonio. I think it'll get you to Galveston. Yeah. Yeah, that was our that uh, like literally New Orleans was our get up and go. Like, you want to go to New Orleans tonight? Sure. All right, hotel's booked. Let's go. Like that was our hell yeah. Yeah, that was our get up and go trip. Like, yeah, let's get out of town. Sure. Yeah, it was just it was, and there's so many hotel rooms and you know. Uh, all right, should we get going? Might as well. Yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing: watching curb your enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy, and I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the season one finale, season one, episode ten, "The Group." We've made it, but before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode? Which uh, I didn't have my notes open. It was affirmative action. How could I forget? Uh, our last episode was affirmative action, and really the only bit of homework we had was uh, going to take some time here to explain the history of affirmative action. And delve a little bit into the future and solutions, Ted, as we talked about, to the, uh, you know, to racial disparity and, and injustice. <laughs> what is the deal with it? So basically, at its core, it, we probably already know this, but let's just, uh, you know, define it. Affirmative action. I've never heard this term. Positive discrimination. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> yeah. Um, refers okay. to a set of policies and practices within a government or organization seeking to include particular groups based on their gender, race, sexuality, creed, or nationality in areas in which they are underrepresented, such as education and employment. See, that, that's, that's where, that, that's where the, the positive attributes of, of uh, positive discrimination come in, seeking to include yeah. people, not yeah. seeking to exclude people. That's why, yeah, positive discrimination probably, like, because that's got such a negative discrimination I, I feel like, in itself. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like that's not the best way to to define that to not define to uh to label that yeah to me that reeks of conservative rebranding what is that um <laughs> oh, for sure what you know like that's what tucker carlson would call it like this still oh. called it positive deter- discrimination oh um, my lord okay i know this is gonna be like way outdated but fuck tucker carlson good fucking lord yeah if you're listening to this and you have any like love for tucker carlson <laughs> Cancel your Patreon subscription. Do not listen to the rest of our show. I do not care. I don't want you as a fucking listener. Yeah, no thanks. Just just the worst. The literal worst. Well, yeah, one of many of the worst. It's a tie. It's a race to the bottom uh, on that side. But yeah, totally agree. Co-signed. Um, but th- to me, positive discrimination sounds like... I, I looked it up. The um, the Dick Cheney think tank that's responsible for a lot of like conservative rebranding of stuff like that. The project for the new American century is... Uh, what I'm thinking of that that sounds like something they came up with let's call it let's call it positive discrimination so not I didn't know this nine states in the U.S. have banned race-based affirmative action including you'd be surprised at some of these California was the first to do it in 1996 interesting yeah uh Washington state Florida well that makes sense 99 uh Michigan oh my god yeah these are in order by the way when they banned it 
Um, oh, okay. Michigan, Nebraska, Arizona, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and Idaho in 2020 was the last to uh, do it so far. All um, of those sound accurate except for California and New Hampshire. Yeah, and Washington even. You know, Pacific Northwest is, mm, yeah, you know, true. you see like Seattle and, and stuff like that. It's, it can be typically, but there's a lot of rural parts of it too. So the 1996 Hopwood versus Texas decision effectively barred affirmative action in three states, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas, until another court case overturned it in 03. And the use of racial quotas for college admissions was ruled unconstitutional by that same court case in 03. Um, so I guess it's weird that, it, that like these other states have found a way to ban it. But oh, and then those and then I guess Louisiana, Mississippi and Texas happened because of this court case later. Like I said, it's uh, I, I didn't feel like reading the entire Wikipedia article. So uh, <laughs> I just th- this is just the highlights, as it were. So the discussion it really dates back to the early Reconstruction era where they were like, all right, we need to give people a fair shake based on no matter what. So like post-Civil War is when these uh, policies really started popping up. Then a century later, the discussion of policies to assist classes of individuals reemerged during the Civil Rights Movement in like the 50s and 60s. Rewinding just a little, though, FDR's New Deal programs contained equal opportunity clauses uh, about race, color, or creed. But the true forerunner to affirmative action was the Interior Secretary at the time, Harold Ickes. He prohibited discrimination in hiring for Public Works Administration-funded projects and oversaw the institution of a quota system where contractors were required to employ a fixed percentage of black workers and also the equal pay of women. And that's during the New Deal, for crying out loud. Uh, so that guy really was uh, a fore- forerunner. But of course, FDR uh, signed an executive order in 1941 which prohibited discrimination in the defense industry or government, because he was like, if taxpayer funds are, are using to pay for this, then all taxpayers should have an opportunity to work through the contractor. So, but those never really mentioned affirmative action, like as a well, one of them did, but it but it wasn't in, in relation to this. Like, so that phrase had been around for a while. Um, the first executive order to mention the term was uh, issued by Kennedy in '61, established the concept of affirmative action by mandating that projects financed with federal funds take quote, take affirmative action to ensure that hiring and employment practices are free of racial bias. So I just wanted to, basically all that is just wanting to find out what I did want to find out. And that's that affirmative action was never an official capital letter policy or name for legislation. It's just a catch-all term for stuff like this. But that's a little Mm -hmm. bit of, you know, where it, where it, sort of bubbled up in American politics over over the years and American policy and stuff like that. So I hope that was short enough. I realize that was still pretty long, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so let's consult the book, All Rise. Uh, and in this episode, we have a couple bullet points from Curb Your Enthusiasm, the book. Although Larry botches two attempted briberies in this episode with the Mater D and the pharmacist, uh, but he doesn't really botch the Mater D one until... He realizes later he botched it. Like, if he just gave him a piece he, of paper... He didn't botch it in the moment. Yeah. And the only reason he botched it is because Cheryl needed that paper. Like, if, if he gave him a piece of paper that was worthless and got a table and then left, and, that's a yeah, success. And just, like, <laughs> and just, like, never went back to that restaurant yeah, again? Yeah. yeah, totally good. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, back in the day, David frequently bribed ushers at Madison Square Garden and Yankee Stadium for better seats. He said, I haven't done this in a really long time, but you used to be able to get a much better seat if you bought a general admission ticket for $1.50... And then another five bucks, you could get a box seat. Was this like the 1930s? What the hell? Jesus Christ. A <laughs> dollar. Yeah, you, to see the you can get a general admission ticket for a dollar 30. See? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Larry refuses to wait in line for a table at a restaurant in this episode, which reflects David's philosophy on waiting to eat in life as well. 
It makes you realize the importance you're placing on what you're waiting for. And in the case of a restaurant, you sort of feel like an idiot. I think the last time I waited in line for more than 10 minutes at a restaurant was the inspiration for the Chinese restaurant episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> so he'll just walk. Larry will walk. And honestly, that that pretty much has been my policy too. You know, anything longer than 30 minutes, I might go 45 because I think sometimes I highball you expecting to turn people away saying mm-hmm. 45 and then it's much quicker. But especially like even without kids, it was like, well, that, not worth it. We'll, we'll see you later. Uh, but with kids, it's like, oh, there's a there's a five minute wait. Now nah, we got to go. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> if there's nothing for, to keep their attention in the waiting area, like an arcade game or if we're at a mall or something, we, we can't do it. Sorry. What's your um, what's your wait time limit? It varies. If yeah. we're going to a specific place and it's like in the middle of like, I don't know, a city and there's nothing else around that we want to go to, we'll wait. We'll wait probably mm-hmm. upwards of 45. I, I think if they drop the hour bomb, then we're like, mm, yeah, okay, that's maybe, maybe we'll go back to the car and look for something. But if they say like, yeah, half hour, 45 minutes, it probably actually means, like you said, 20 to 30 minutes yeah. because, because some people are just going to get tired and walk away. Um, but if we're in like a like a – an area with a bunch of places and we're just like yeah let's go get something to eat how about this place okay yeah yeah, sure i guess if it's like oh yeah we've actually got to wait okay guess we'll go somewhere else (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's always nice when you when you you know because you feel like you have hand and you have the upper hand exactly you're like we've got hand yeah (laughs) i was using the seinfeld you know yeah me too too. okay good good yeah um (laughs) Because it's an obscure sign, but it's not one that the fans bring out very often. But yeah, you you've got hand, and you're like, no, you know, we don't. You need us more than we need you. We're out of here. We are gonna walk got, right I've, now. I've, I've got no hand. <laughs> yeah, you got so much hand, it's coming out of your glove. Um, <laughs> so what were they thinking? Brian Gordon, the director of the affirmative action episode, said, "The first year, people would watch the show with their hands over their eyes. They couldn't believe he was doing this. They expected Seinfeld." I always said that curb is an acquired taste. It's like locks. You have to eat it a few times before you like it. <laughs> um, yeah, and I agree. I, I you know, as much like we see the parallels between Seinfeld, but it is such a different show. Um, My God, yeah. yeah. And it's and and I gotta say, like, I don't know why. Maybe it's because these episodes are newer to me. But I'm like, I'm really enjoying Curb maybe more than I was enjoying Seinfeld, which is crazy Ooh, to say. But okay. and I think maybe it's just because it has that new show feel to me. And it feels like watching it for the first time, whereas Seinfeld, I kind of had to get into the mindset of like, all right, I'm watching this through a different eye. You know, I need to I need to watch this in a different way than just enjoying it. Uh, and in this one, like I'm, I'm doing both. I'm enjoying it and watching it through that eye just because it's so it still feels so new. But it's definitely not Seinfeld. That is true. And, and I got to say, I mean, this this has to do with the homework. This occurred to me during this episode how little homework we actually end up doing, because I don't think we're going to write anything down at the end of this one. Well, there might be one little thing now that I'm thinking of it. But I was like, we there's so few. It's so obvious that Jerry Seinfeld was the one that's like, oh, you got to put in this W.C. Fields reference. Like, we, please, you know, like we, there were so many. And now we know it was all Seinfeld because Larry David does not do that. Every so often there's yeah. like, like Richard yeah. Lewis, like, who are you, Gary Cooper? Like, you know, stuff like that. But you know, Jerry Seinfeld would drop these obscure old references and just so <laughs> un- like uncharacteristic. <laughs> no, I-, I can't even say uncharacteristically, I guess uncharacteristically for the show, not for Seinfeld, but yeah. just 
out of place <laughs> mentions of of people from yesteryear. Yeah, or like news stories that were a blip when they happen, you know? Yeah, 30 um, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Scarsdale Surprise is a good one, like the Diet Doctor murders. Like, I'm sure that was sensational when it happened, whatever it was. I don't even remember in the 50s or 60s or whatever. But, but yeah, to, to make a show about it, it's like, um, okay, okay, we're going to have to look that up next week. And it's just it just doesn't happen with Curb. So that's all from the book. Okay, do we have any, like, news or anything to get to? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, I think we kind of covered everything. Yeah. Okay, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim hasn't seen these episodes in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to the show that accepts ratings and reviews. Um, if you do that, we will send you a free no-hugging, no-learning sticker, free of charge. I, I, I said free <laughs> I already. So I'm, I'm, That's like I'm, lifelong I'm, fan for years. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I'm doubling down on the free. That means it's actually going to cost you money. It's a double <laughs> negative now. Uh, but no, seriously, if you leave a review, just uh, send us a screenshot so we can see it and we can read it on air if you'd like us to. Um, if you would like us to, I don't know, get some money from you. If you want to you wanna pay us, because, you know, the, the sticker is free. It actually is free. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this for real now. If you would like to support us monetarily, you can hit up our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash nohugging. Uh, that link is down in the description or on the show description page as well, wherever you're looking at this. Actually, I don't think we have the link on the show description To the page. Patreon? It, yeah, it's been a while since I've updated. That's so probably not. Uh, but anyway, it's five bucks a month, and you can get uh, all of the clipped content from every episode that we push out. You get every single episode one week early, and you also get two movie reviews every single month. Most recently, we released The Parent Trap uh, as we're recording this. As this is coming out on the free feed, we've probably got another one out, but uh, I don't know what that is gonna be yet tim do you have any idea what you want to do for the next patreon movie review no um you got that running list of stuff don't you oh yeah that's right where is that uh, let me see Where is... oh um oh man we had we had white palace i think because um uh it doesn't have to do with white power like we were talking earlier <laughs> oh okay good good <laughs> no it was like it's an erotic thriller and i Somebody might be in it, Jason Alexander, maybe. Pretty Woman, I know, because Jason Alexander is in it. Oh, Blast from the Past, we did that one. I can cross it off the list. Uh, oh, this one might be a good one, because May is kind of Mother's Day month. Problem Child. I don't remember why Ooh. that one is on there, but that might Problem be a good one Child? to do. Yeah. Let me look it up. And... Looks like... Somebody in it? Oh, Michael Richards. There we go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. So is that... it just the first one? I believe so, Yeah. Oh my god, there's three of them? I did not Ugh. know that. Ugh. I hope we only have to watch the first one. It wow. looks awful. Junior in love. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, no, I'm fine with just doing the first one. I don't think we need to. Um, I wonder if it's streaming anywhere. But in honor of um in honor of Mother's Day, I think that'd be a good one. Okay. Let's do let's do Problem, let's do Child, Problem Child next. <laughs> and I'm excited to see um Michael Richards in something. He's always funny in his film roles. Oh, it looks like it's on Peacock. Hell yeah. Yeah, boy. 
<laughs> Looks like I'm keeping cable for another week at least. Oh wait a minute, it says it's. Oh my it's, god. Says it. Oh wait, that's Amazon. Okay. All right. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm guessing it'll be on Peacock for free. At least I'm hoping it will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this meme on Twitter. It might just be because of my different uh, algorithms. Uh, but, uh, say peacock and nobody bats an eye, but say poopcock and everyone's got a problem with it. I have not seen that. Is it a Joker meme? Is it a Heath Ledger Joker? <laughs> no, oh. no, I don't know what it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you have the, I think I have a little different algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Okay. Well, if you are looking in TV guide or how do I normally open this up? Okay. So season one, episode 10, the group original air date, December 17th, 2000. And if you are looking at TV Guy that night, you are going to see in the season one finale, Larry gets in trouble with his wife, a stage director, an old flame, and an incest survivors group! Exclamation point! Oh, man. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I mean, even though it's kind of true, I bet we can do better. It's all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we could have... I didn't know this whole time we could have just been listing the characters in the show. Like, Jerry, George, Kramer, and Elaine meet a pool guy and a boss and get in dr- and, and people on the subway it's, like it, it's what happens yeah, but it's lazy yeah yeah i didn't know we could have been doing that the whole time in this episode and just list everybody in it and various extras re- react in the background god <laughs> okay so we'll see if we can make it better with some sort of narrative tease uh when we get to the end uh but we start at home and it's bedtime and Larry's uncle Nathan is coming to L.A. and wants to have dinner with them on Thursday. Uh, and Larry insists they go out because he's a lingerer. Okay, so pause. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that his name is uh, Nathan here. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they change his name at the end of the episode. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not notice that. But, I'll, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, so... I, I had actually had to look up a word, first of all. I'm not going to leave this for homework next week. Um, you know, Larry says that, you know, if they invite him over, they'll never get rid of him. So going out to dinner, they can both go their se- all go their separate ways at the end. Um, he's Because he's a lingerer. And Jeff sa- or Larry says, I'm a malingerer. He's a lingerer. Did you know what malingerer meant? I didn't. No. It, a malingerer is somebody who exaggerates an incapacity to avoid work. So you pretend you're sicker than you are to get out of doing something. I mean, or yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's Larry. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It's just a great vocabulary word. I didn't know. And I'm I'm and I know I'm going to use it in the next week. That's always how it happens. Like with Byzantine <laughs> last week, I was like, oh, I've never. I haven't heard that word before. I'm going to use it without knowing what it means. <laughs> and then last week's episode was Byzantine, Byzantine, Byzantine. Byzantine. Yeah. Hey, Ted, you know what Byzantine means? <laughs> Any word that can make me seem smart because I'm not <laughs> smart. I wish I was, but I'm not. Uh, another Seinfeld <laughs> reference. Jeff also wants to see Larry and Cheryl together in his office tomorrow. Uh, and let me point out, maybe you can think of even more there's a weird trend of mysterious meetings in season one. This is at least the third that I can count. <laughs> the first one was Richard Lewis. Well, maybe not. There. I don't know if this is in order. Richard Lewis wanting to see Larry and he wouldn't tell him over the phone. No, you got to meet me in yeah. person. The yeah. Amco guy who called and was like, you know, something was really bothering me. Oh if you God, give me a call yeah. later. And now <laughs> Jeff, like, I, I can't tell you what it is, but would you two meet me in my office tomorrow? Like, why is this a story device in... <laughs> Maybe there's even more I'm forgetting, but I feel like it happens often. Like, I, I don't know it, what he wants. I, I got to call you're him You're right. It, it, happened, it happened at least three times yeah. in 10 episodes. Yeah, which is a lot. Yeah. 
So as they settle in to go to bed, Cheryl asks why she's always the one to initiate sex. And first of all, I mean, like, what a great loaded thing to bring up right as you're ready for bed. Like, I hate to be sexist, but this is totally a chick thing to do. Like, all right, well, good night. It's it's late. We're going to bed. Hey, can we have a deep relationship discussion right now? Uh, 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 I, I guess, um, do I, can I leave? Do I have a choice? Um, so Larry lays it out pretty plainly. He says, you know, I mean, I'm always available. So would you want somebody, but the reverse is not true. Like Cheryl's not always in the mood, but Larry is always ready. So would you just want somebody mauling at you? all the time like i will just walk around with my hand on your breast if that's what you want Jesus <laughs> um, Christ. it was like you can just tap me on the shoulder and i'm, I'm good to go and so he's like if, if if i was to initiate sex i'd just be making moves constantly cheryl's like you know once in a while if you could just initiate you know and he's like well all right this was hilarious to me this was where he like starts like climbing on top of her and like kissing her and, and she's like not now <laughs> <laughs> and it was very real like you could tell it was a very real improv moment because he leans over to kiss cheryl and she like goes in to kiss i'm like oh this is just a kiss good night but then she's like not now i thought it was either really good acting or or really good improv so over in jeff's office which is not at lone wolf cigars anymore if that's ah. where they were walking in i we don't really know where they were going in that building but they're they were outside it a couple times i think so uh, that was my you know i kind of inferred that from it but it's now a, a real office building somewhere jeff talked to wendy prager who is a theater director not a stage director by the way that's one issue i already have with the i mean she directs things for the stage but if you called a state if you called the director of a play, the stage director, I think they would bite your head off and maybe, and rightly so, because it's like yeah. calling a, a doctor a nurse, you know, it's like, excuse me, nurse, like what? Well, you're in a hospital and you're, you're doing something a nurse would do like what? No, a stage director and a director, are two different things. Um, so Wendy Prager, the, the director, she's bringing the vagina monologues to LA and she wants Cheryl in the show. And Cheryl is ecstatic. She, I guess, used to be an actress and, and hasn't done anything in a while and is focusing mainly on, like, charity work and stuff. But Wendy is a, is a fan of all that, and so she wants her to do this. Yeah. Well, well, not only that, but Cheryl knew who uh, – or Wendy knew who Cheryl was yeah. because she had seen Cheryl in a play a long yeah. time ago. Yeah, yeah. So she'd seen Cheryl act, and she knows, you know, the, the philanthropy she's involved in now and stuff. And, and it's all adding up to Cheryl being uh, back on stage. And how familiar are you with the vagina monologues? Uh, 100% unfamiliar. <laughs> I know the name. Yeah, yeah. I know the name. That's about it. I wonder, I, you know what? We will kind of dive into, again, not that, we'll dive into the vagina. <laughs> God damn it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Tim has been broken. Um, Tim has no voice left, as you can tell. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back, baby. Okay, okay. Better he's, kill. He's, he has been fixed. The spider killed my will to podcast, but that that uh, uh, that pun just brought me right back in. Uh, but I remember it being just, I mean, just it's shocking in its nature of like what it's called and what it did. <laughs> but I, it was a cultural phenomenon. You know, it was just so shocking. It was one of those things like Fifty Shades of Grey that was like dirty, but like your grandma would go just to it. shook like yeah. pop culture to its core yes it's like it was like mainstream dirty on such a huge level i think that's a great analogy the 50 shades thing to it it's like oh it made this kind of thing you know it, it made it it was mainstream and but i i just want to like how far removed into 2000 was it 
Was it still a new thing? I mean, she's bringing it to L.A., so obviously it was like a success in New York already. But how close were those two things? Uh, I'm, I'm just curious. I did like um, Larry saying that he'd never – seen a vagina with his glasses off so it's just a <laughs> hazy mystery to him <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I i liked uh jeff saying too, i'm very pro vagina yeah 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 it was i mean it wasn't it was a female empowerment play like that and so yeah jeff jeff yeah they both have very funny reactions to it so as they're leaving jeff's office larry suggests giving a gift to jeff he loves scotch and how weird was this that he he missed uh, labels a scotch Johnny Goldberg and later on Jeff oh will appear God. in a show called the Goldbergs wow yeah I, I looked it up though I was like oh god I hope his name is John it's not it's like oh, Morty or something I know I was like it. that would have been amazing that would have been great holy Johnny hell. Goldberg but instead th- of all the all, instead of all the Simpsons <laughs> did it memes which would be like curb your enthusiasm <laughs> did it yeah Larry predicts the Goldbergs 20 years before <laughs> Uh, and so Larry and Cheryl run into Lucy, an actress who used to date Larry, and Cheryl is in a jealous rage immediately. Oh, yeah. She melts into a oh, jealous rage. Yeah. I mean, rage. Lucy, like, cuts her out of the entire conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really Like, she's only talking to Larry. Yeah, boxes are out, kind of. And Cheryl's like, she's going to go sit in the car while Larry finishes up his conversation with Lucy, and she's like, Larry, I need the keys. She, she's walking to the door, and Larry throws them to her like she's a valet and is like, you know what? Turn the AC on. Cool it off a little. Jesus. <laughs> that was hilarious. Like, Larry Larry digs his own grave like 90% of the time, mm-hmm. and that was like not doing himself any favors. Turn the AC on. Cool it off a little. So that when I get in there, it's nice. You go sit in the car while I talk to my uh, sexy ex here. But Lucy needs to meet with Larry later. Again, another mysterious meeting, and she's right there with him. Like, you know, I understand it wasn't the time and place to talk about when, when you find out what she wants to talk about. But again, no, 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 I, I, I can't do it here. We, we have to meet for lunch later. Yeah. We, another we, mysterious we do, meeting. We do two in one episode. Yeah. Uh, we do learn that it is not a child. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a kid, do we? <laughs> uh, I thought I liked her reply to that. Not that I know of. And then she kind of ruined it with like, and I think I would be the one to know. Like, that's why it's funny. Like, that's always a, that will always be funny to me eh. when, you know, like when the woman says, like, not that I know of, you know, I don't have any kids that I know about or something, you know, like that. That's funny. It's, it's just a little <laughs> funny turn of biology or whatever. Um, yeah. The, the extra line is just hat on a hat. Yeah. That's that's Wolfcastle going. That's the joke. But you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> and I think I would be the one to know. So back at home, Cheryl tries initiating sex. She says, I'm, I'm tapping you. This was great writing this had to have been written ahead of time because cheryl tries initiating sex she's like i'm tapping you on the shoulder and larry's like i'm i'm kind of tapped out oh that was brilliant that like, was i'm really tapping you on the shoulder i'm tapped out that double meaning and I'll, just I'll, like, I'll tell you it took me like a second to realize like what larry actually meant and i'm like oh my <laughs> god okay yeah it's, it's on- so I, I thought he was just like tired or or like worn out from the day nope yeah, he well, he tries. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of not in the mood. You know, he tries before he admits what he did. And I like that they, just like the Seinfeld episode, they never say it. It's all, it's danced around. Like, oh, why did you do that? Like, it, it, they never say. Mm-hmm. He, he never goes like, oh, sorry, I whacked it already. Like, it's, it's all done in a very funny but never saying it kind of way, just like the contest. But <laughs> Cheryl finds it interesting. Like, oh wow, so you did this after running into your ex who's got big breasts and is, is very sexy and 
And I love that Larry just like he just kind of he doesn't even say he just makes a noise. He's like, eh, and like looks like stares off into the distance, <laughs> like doesn't say yes or no. And she's like, wow, I can't believe you were thinking about her the whole time. He's like, oh, not the whole time. She made a brief appearance. <laughs> she she made a brief appearance and said goodbye. That was goodbye. it. Yeah. And Cheryl's like, well, am I ever in these things? Like, oh, I wouldn't defile you like that. <laughs> Believe me, you don't want to be a part of that. (laughs) Yeah, like in in this instance, to Cheryl, I don't know what is worse. Like like Larry doing this or Larry saying, no, I don't think about you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But he tries to make a good point. He's like, you don't want to be, I wouldn't defile you like that. I can can defile strangers (laughs) or anybody that I see on the street. Like, um, (laughs) But Cheryl says, Cheryl lays down the rule, not only no more Lucy, no more exes in sexual fantasies. And Larry says he's going to go back to he's going to bring back young Sophia Loren. <laughs> and Cheryl has a funny line to put a button on the scene. She's like, "Well, yeah, who wouldn't?" <laughs> I thought that was very funny. <laughs> so over at Madison's Neighborhood Grill, which was at 1037 Broxton Avenue in Westwood, it is now Barney's Beanery. I can't find any info on when Madison's closed, but Barney's has been around i didn't know this uh, since like 1920 not at this location but it has a long and storied history in its mm. original location in west hollywood which you know like jim morrison and janice joplin are like all these big like counterculture rock stars and, and comedians and, and celebrities used to hang out there and like jim morrison got in a fight or something there and like pissed on the bar something like that oh like yeah it's 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 crazy just how connected to the LA counterculture movement of that era it actually is but then they started it reminds me of like Permanti Brothers in Pittsburgh if you if anyone's ever been here it's a it's a little sandwich shop hole in the wall that opened up and then they opened up franchises they started franchising and everyone like has that theme park hole in the wall bar feel to it where it's like they tried to make it look like the old one and I think that's what Barney's was doing they're like oh we have kind of a brand here let's you know let's make a, a Barney's beanery but you know put flat screens in it and and make the bricks look like they're kind of torn up and stuff. Um, That's my kind of guess just from looking at it. But so this location opened in 2010 here for Barney's Beanery. Um, So uh, I did find a a court case from 2001, Megan Warehouse versus Madison's Neighborhood Grill at all. But I couldn't find anything about what Megan was suing them for or anything. So uh, I really, I really wish there was some news stories about that, but I couldn't find anything. Maybe, so maybe the, bar closed soon after that settlement i don't know but uh larry is there and he gives jeff uh the gift uh scotch from cheryl and what do you know ted it's wrapped i guess cheryl does know how to wrap a gift so (laughs) yeah at least someone in that family can can do something like that good yeah Uh, and it's a bottle of blue label johnny walker which is a nice bottle of scotch it runs you about 200 bucks uh pretty much anywhere you go so yeah and larry uh, that's where he's meeting lucy for lunch and when Jeff meets Lucy as she's meeting Larry, he is, I mean, just smitten from the start. First of all, he says he recognizes her from a Hurricane movie, but she says that's Jamie Gertz. And I guess they were mixing up uh, Twister with Hurricanes. I think Jamie Gertz plays like um, Bill Paxton's new wife or something in that. Uh, and she's like, no, I was in the movie about an asteroid. And it's at this point that I looked up. The, the actress is not named Lucy. You know, sometimes people are playing themselves in, in stuff like this. But this actress oh. was not named Lucy. And I don't know if she was in an um, asteroid movie or not. 
But, but what what is yeah. what is Jeff's line here? Uh, he, he says like uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, asteroids—they're all the same. Yeah, yeah. Or something. <laughs> I guess technically disaster movie. You could put them under that umbrella. Yeah, but... yeah. Like like d- disaster catastrophe yeah. movies. Yeah. 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 Um, but he. He, he, I like how he kept trying to invite himself to lunch. Like, oh, you know, I was going to grab some lunch too. And, J- and Larry's and like, well, La- you know, there's a lot of places around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was great. Just pushes him right off. Yeah. Jeff is, he, as they're walking off, he calls her a big bowl of wrong. Ooh, you're a big bowl did, of wrong. Did, does he call her that? I think he calls himself that. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's a big bowl of wrong for finding her <laughs> yeah, attractive. Because there's no one, no one around. Well, not only that, but like, not ha- knowing anything about the movie she was in. Yeah. So it's so he literally is a big bowl of wrong. I think he was saying she was a big bowl of wrong because he would love to defile her. Mm, um, okay. You know, and that would be wrong because he is married. Okay. Okay. Um, because you know he's like, oh, hello, nurse. You know, he get, he throws that line out <laughs> at her. Or good night, nurse. One of those two. Either hello or good night. They're both good. Whether whether you're, you're greeting the nurse or saying farewell, it's a good thing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's both a greeting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or well, no, I guess it's not. They're not both greetings. Yeah, a salutation. Well, Could you say that? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think a salutation could be like goodbye, or is it always a hello? I don't know. Um, but so at lunch, Lucy breaks it down that Larry is the only one she's told about being abused by her stepfather, molested, sexually abused in some way by her stepfather. And she wants him to accompany her to an incest survivor group. And Larry's first question is, are you sure that qualifies? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Lord almighty. Like she laughs it off, you know, but still it like for any other person that is talking about their trauma to go, are you sure that qualifies as trauma? <laughs> Is pretty rough. <laughs> um, so, but Larry agrees to like accompany her to this meeting, uh, and and then Cheryl walks in and sees Larry having lunch with Lucy. And Cheryl's with um, her friend that we saw in maybe the first episode, the pants tent. This is the same friend, right, Nancy or something? Uh, it might be. I think it was. Um, but yeah, it's, that, that's inconsequential. But Cheryl is still uh, she. She again begins seething in a jealous rage once again. Uh, back in the parking lot, I guess Jeff has just been standing by Larry's car for an hour and a half or so, however long they had lunch, because he's there and he asks for Lucy's number. But I, I like their playful back and forth because Larry knows that Jeff wants to have an affair with her, but he's like, oh, well, why uh, Why do you want to call her? And I love, he's like, I'll tell you what, I'll call and tell Susie her number and then you can tell, he's like, no, 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 call the office, don't don't call my house and leave it with Susie. He's like, what's it for? He's like, oh, representation. I may I may want to be her manager. And, and uh, Larry sees through it immediately. Over at the Toluca Lake Executive Building, which was at 4421 Riverside Drive in Burbank, it has a totally new facade. So they redid the front. And I, I believe it's still just office space. I don't know if it's still called the Toluca Lake Executive Building, but, uh, you know, there's still you can still rent there, I, I guess, if you need an office space or something. But that's the meeting of the Incest Survivors Group. And this scene played weird to me. Like, was it? It wasn't funny. Like, people are going around and and telling their stories about about being yeah, sexually there, there abused. Were, there were no jokes here. I did. I didn't think so. And I was also hoping not because, like, especially the woman who the I'm here lady. She's really overacting in this scene to a ruining effect. Uh, <laughs> like, so do you think it was supposed to be funny? Like. I... I don't... Because there are funny no, elements I, I think, to, like, say, Gwendolyn's story. The first one, like, oh, the uncles, they never got along, and they were even fighting yeah, while they were abusing I, me. I I think the point 
is for us to find humor in how uncomfortable it is. There's there there's no written jokes. Right. There's no improv jokes. It's just meant to be uncomfortable for the sake of being uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if if you get like a a, a chuckle out of just like a, huh, I don't feel good watching this. Yeah. That that's its point. So it's like early cringe comedy, really. Yeah. Kind of like we were talking it really about. Is. I think in a previous episode. Oh, the uh, it was last week's episode where where Larry was. You know, they were they kept prodding him to tell them tell him the joke <laughs> or whatever he was apologizing for, and it was, yeah. But this is even less. I mean, this is even less funny than that. And so, but I was hope, especially the I'm here lady. I was like, all right, is, is that is she? Does she think she's being funny now? Like it's like my family doesn't see me, and I'm like, I'm here. I'm here. And I'm like, oh, God, I hope this not supposed to be funny. But it, it is in this instance that we learn. And this was, I got to say, a funny moment. Like the, the leader of the group is like, everyone say with me, step counts. OK, we, we remember <laughs> that step counts. And Lucy gives a, a look to Larry. They give a knowing look to each other like, all right, you were right. Step counts. OK, I was wrong. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> um, and when it gets to be like, so they're all going around and. The, the teacher made such an insistence at the beginning that, like, we are all here because we're incest survivors, and this is a, a circle of trust, and that trust will not be betrayed. Nothing will leave this room. We're all in the same boat. And so Larry begins – well, first he says his name is Todd, and he begins making up a story about being abused by his uncle. Uh, and it's the, his uncle, the osteopath. Uh, he, he doesn't know what they do. He knows they're a doctor. and and so He doesn't give a name for his uncle here, does he? He just says my uncle, who is an osteopath. I think he might have. I think he might have said Nate again. Did, okay, so okay, I'll I'll just put this out. Why I thought like they changed okay. his uncle's name in the end. Um, d- if he says his uncle Gordon here, then then it would make sense because oh. in the in the very end, I think they changed his uh, uncle Nathan's name to Gordon, and Larry goes along with it. Like, yeah, Uncle Gordon. Like, I don't know why he would say, yeah, Uncle Gordon, knowing that it's Uncle Nathan, unless he says Gordon here, and he's just saying, like, Uncle Gordon to Wendy later on. Well, he changed his name to Todd, so maybe he just made up, oh, yeah, my Uncle Gordon, but he's an osteopath. I know he's a doctor. And so when he introduces his doctor uncle later, the woman connects the dots and is like, wait a second, the osteopath? Like, what are the odds that a guy's going to have two doctor osteopaths uncles osteopath uncles you know and just connects the dots <laughs> that he was making up names because she knew he made up todd at that point so he must have changed mm-hmm. this uncle's name to i didn't catch that but it's it, it may be that that kind of detail where he was like oh my uncle okay. gordon yeah, yeah i like that yeah so if he did say gordon here then then i think it was just protecting the anonymity and making up a story um about an uncle and, and he needed somebody in mind to pull from uh to make it sound realistic so back at home cheryl is you know larry says that like you knew i was going to lunch with her and cheryl's like i know it was just different seeing it and besides you know hearing just hearing about it but uh, you know larry's like i promise you nothing's going on i mean why do you think i broke up with her and cheryl is surprised that larry broke up with lucy (laughs) (laughs) which is a great roast of larry by your (laughs) wife you know uh, you broke up with her (laughs) um which again is you know you could you could draw the parallel to another Seinfeld episode where Jerry starts dating someone that Newman broke up with and it, it tears him up inside wanting to know what's so wrong with her that Newman would break up with her. Cheryl needs a ride to meet the director tomorrow. Why? We don't know. But Larry has to be in the office as we're going to find out. So, And she starts reading the vagina monologues and the one she has to do, has uh, the one she's in charge of delivering has to do with 
two women exploring each other's bodies and it gets Larry in the mood and he begins initiating sex, but Cheryl's working. So she turns him down (laughs) over at the director's meeting. The director is Gwendolyn, AKA Wendy Prager from the incest survivors group. And she comes out and immediately is like, Todd. And and Cheryl's like, Oh, you guys know each other. And immediately there, she's like, well, we can't talk about it. Like, so Cheryl immediately thinks with what's going on with Larry yeah. and Lucy that Larry and Wendy either currently have a thing yeah. or have had a thing in the past. Right. And, and like, so now the circle of trust matters to Wendy. That's what I'm like. When she came out and said, you know, and I'm like, what happened to the, what happened to the trust? What happened to the circle of trust? How dare you betray the trust by, you know, you've only met this guy once and it was at this group that you're not supposed to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was a huge betrayal right there. Um, we, we, yeah. we did get a good, like, non-sequitur throwaway line to open this scene up. Larry and Cheryl are just sitting on the couch, and Larry's like, can you imagine living in a world without pillows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was another, that was a great, so maybe all of those weird conversations that we'd come in on on Seinfeld were Larry, like, let's just come into this scene and have a conversation that has nothing to do with the rest of the thing. Like, <laughs> we're coming in on this conversation, and it goes on for, like, a minute or two. Like, you know, I mean, there's cushions, but. When do you think you'd notice? Like bedtime, obviously. That would, would you be upset if there was no pillows? <laughs> yeah, like would you notice if there was no pillows on the couch? Yeah, he's like, "There's no pillows," and what kind of world would that be? Yeah, and Cheryl like doesn't say anything. He's just monologuing about it. He's monologuing the pillow monologues. Um, <laughs> so they make up a story about like meeting at a, a boat, uh, not a bodega, like a, a newsstand or something. And he was making fun of me because I was reading dog fancy or something. But Cheryl is so suspicious that she drops out. She can't do this play anymore. She doesn't want to be any part of it. And uh, so she kind of storms out. And Wendy is like, you know, remember, you remember, you can't tell any, you cannot tell her anything <laughs> yeah, about and this. L- l- Larry tells Wendy that he would never betray her. Skip ahead to the next scene, and Larry is immediately betraying Wendy and spilling his guts about her to Cheryl. What a great smash cut. Yeah, cut immediately to, yeah, explaining the whole story. Like, I would never betray you. And then she was molested by her uncles, and they were fighting even while they were doing it. And, and <laughs> yeah, it was like, and then she, she couldn't even go. Like, she has more next week. She has to come back next week. <laughs> so, you know, Cheryl's like, oh my gosh, I had this all wrong. Um, and so, but she can't call and rejoin, or now. You know, Wendy will know that Larry spilled the beans and betrayed her trust. And, and, you know, so they make up a story about them meeting at a Gambler's Anonymous meeting. (laughs) Uh, But unfortunately, the part has already been recast by uh, Lucy Montone is now doing it. The Lucy that, of course, was in the incest survivors group and is now uh, doing the part. And she's been like reading, you know, trying to read for the vagina monologues and everything uh, uh, for a long time. And we find out now that she got in because of Jeff. So because her, of, because yeah. of her manager Jeff Green, her yeah. manager Jeff Green called and got her in, and so that's why it's been recast like within the hour. So mm-hmm. cut to Jeff drinking Blue Label with Lucy in some seedy motel somewhere. Back at uh, uh, we, yeah, we, we we do get the line too of Lucy asking Jeff if he'll be okay to drive. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Ah, yeah, I didn't catch that. Over at Larry and Cheryl's house, back at home, Uncle Nathan shows up. And this guy, I seem, I feel like was a famous actor. Did you recognize him? I didn't. I'm gonna have no. to write this down for next week because I feel like he's been in some stuff. One of the things I feel like he's got a very recognizable voice, and so one of the things I think he was in is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 movie called Riding with <laughs> Death. 
that I'm I'm hoping that I discover he was in. I didn't look it up, but I'll write it down for next week. Um, <laughs> but I just feel like he's been in a lot of stuff. So he shows up. He was late for their meeting for dinner because he stopped for this one car accident on the 405. It was a big fat guy and a woman, and they were very drunk. <laughs> and the woman was hurt really bad, and they were driving a yeah, 57 he- Chevy convertible. Yeah, he says uh, the big fat guy will be okay, but I, I think the woman's going to be laid up for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so over at Lions Theater, which as far as I can tell was fake, I googled Lions Theater in Los Angeles, ah. and I didn't. And you can see from this, like the whole sign looked not even computer generated; <laughs> looked like hand painted. <laughs> like, it looked like, um, and because it was a still shot, it wasn't like an exterior shot where you can tell. Even when a, a camera's stationary, you can tell when something is moving, and this just wasn't moving. But it's where they're having the vagina monologues. And Cheryl is now back in the show because Lucy was incapacitated in the drunk driving accident. And Larry comes backstage to meet her with his uncle. And he introduces her to the director. This is, does he say this is my uncle, Dr. Nate, or something like that? I think he's... I, I could be wrong. But I think he says this is my uncle, Gordon. I thought, see, I thought he said and, and Dr. That, Nate, I, which could sound okay. like Gordon. Because that's how she knows <laughs> he's a doctor. She's like, wait the osteopath and okay. that's when and he's like why yes and she starts screaming obscenities at him and kicks him yeah, out oh my god calls yeah. him a fucking turd yeah which i thought was <laughs> hilarious <laughs> yeah yeah i mean just piece of shit like a, a coward i think she throws at him at some point yeah. too yeah. yeah and just kicks him out oh and again wendy what happened to the circle of trust you need to control yeah. yourself this is the second time you've let your emotions get the better of you. Like, if Larry's story was real, you just blew it up. You just blew up his spot big time. You know, if Larry has kept this secret and he and his uncle have kept this between them and it's been in the family, whatever, like, geez, I can't believe how irresponsible you are. Like, yeah, bar yeah. her from the meetings, I would say. <laughs> this is twice. Like, one strike and you're out. Like, geez. So that's that's the end of the episode. Frolic starts playing as uh, uh, Dr. Nate, Uncle Nate, is kicked out. Oh, man. All right, so what do we got for homework next um, week? We're going to dive in. <laughs> I did it. You know, I, I always say dive in, but <laughs> I was going to do it again. You, you can't. You can't <laughs> for this one. No. Uh, we're going to go head first into the <laughs> vagina monologues. Just really get in there and explore. Uh, and also, <laughs> um, uh, the actor that played Nathan. Where do I recognize him from? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you like for cover art this week? Hmm. That's a that's a tough one. I think I say that every week, but that that is. Uh, I mean, if there's, I think it a, might have to be something with the with the survivors group meeting. That's right? what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, there might be a big. It was a t- it was a small office they were meeting in, but there might be. Yeah. A, a shot so of I feel all like it would just have to be like or, yeah. e- either. I don't think there's a shot of all of them, yeah. but if I can find one with maybe the back of Larry's head, because he's got such a yeah. recognizable head. Yeah. Um, if not, I could get a two shot with him and Lucy. Exactly what I was thinking, too. Yeah. I think that's good. All right. So let's see what we can do about this week's description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we had, in the season one finale, Larry gets in trouble with his wife, a stage director, an old flame, and an incest survivors group. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Let me think. Do you want to add some narrative to it? Because <laughs> yeah, there is I, none. Currently. I think we have to raise it and build it from the ground up. I think we yeah, have to raise yeah, it, right. salt the land, wait a couple seasons, 
<laughs> and um, so here's what Google has. Let me just read. Maybe we can steal this. See what you like about this, because at least it adds a little bit more uh, narrative, and it's not very long. Larry's fictitious story about childhood incest with an uncle haunts him when the uncle arrives for a visit. No, I don't like that either. I, I like it better. Larry's fictitious story about childhood incest. Um, all right, maybe. Let's, um, yeah. Because be, because uh, the fact that it's an incest survivors group isn't given in the name of the episode. Yeah. Let's say Larry's Larry's fictitious story about childhood trauma jeopardizes Cheryl's chances at a theatrical return. Yeah. I Je- would jeopardizes ch- Cheryl's chances at a theatrical role. I like that. I, I, I you could maybe even shorten and say return to the stage jeopardizes Cheryl's return to the stage or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. So Larry's, all right, Larry's fictitious story about childhood incest jeopardizes Cheryl's return to the stage. I mean, if you want to say right? incest, you can say incest. I said Uh-oh. trauma. Oh, you said trauma. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Larry's fictitious story about childhood trauma. Yeah. Larry's fictitious story. I mean, do we need what it's about? Larry's. Well, yeah, I guess then, so. then you get the shock punch of, oh, oh, it's a it's yeah. an incest survivors group. OK, yeah. Then, then that really like punches into that uh, like awkwardness, uh, like I shouldn't be watching this group meeting. Scene. What if we what if we just say Larry's fictitious story? What if we take out the group part and say Larry's fictitious story about an uncle jeopardizes Cheryl's return to the stage? Is that better, worse or the same? <laughs> I think that's about the same. About the same. OK. Yeah. All right, well, I'm fine with I'm fine with the trauma then. Yeah, because the group is very ambiguous. The group, it's not like could be anything. Yeah, yeah, a, a group of people is any more than like three. You know, you feel like so. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very ambiguous. Uh, so you don't even know that the childhood trauma I would say is connected to the title of the show. But I'm I think it's better. I think it's yeah. leaps and bounds better, and I don't I don't think we have to spend much, any more time on it. Much better. Yes. All right, Tim. Let's get into Lost in the Mail. Hey. So we got a DM this week Ooh. from David Pootsier. What? He is <laughs> following us everywhere. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> okay, so David wrote to us. Um, I, I read this once, and may, maybe my brain was just like in a million different places, but it didn't really make sense to me whenever I read it the first time, and I haven't read it again, so I'm going to read it as though I'm reading it for the first time live. <laughs> After okay? being a lifelong so, fan for years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Tim was right about the Amco episode ending fail. I envisioned watching Larry driving alone, viewed from behind the steering wheel of a car following him closely, still being seen from the follower's point of view, dot, dot, dot. Larry has his left arm out on his steering wheel and his right arm up, outstretched, relaxing on the passenger's seat back. We then notice what starts playing on the followers radio is the amco commercial we hear double a beep beep dot 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 and suddenly cheryl's head slash face bolts up from larry's lap area staring wide eyes out the back window thinking she had been caught and was being beeped at yeah yeah that's how i said the the episode should end although i think the radio commercial should be playing in larry's car because who would have their who would have the commercials turned up so loud? I mean, I guess it's possible, but it's it's very possible. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I had forgotten. That's how you said. That's how the episode should end. Okay. Yeah. That that's why I was confused reading it the first time. I'm like, what well, what is what is he talking about? Yeah, because Larry <laughs> like Frolic started playing when Larry yeah. was winning. I was like, that's not no something's supposed <laughs> yeah. to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for agreeing with me that I wrote a better ending than Larry David did. <laughs> oh my god. So next week, we have got Season 2, 
Episode 1, The Car Salesman. Original air date, September 23rd, 2001. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you were going to see in the season 2 premiere where he shocks everyone. <laughs> I'm, I wrote that wrong. Speech to text was oh. uh, uh, betraying me. Uh. Uh, in the season 2 premiere, Larry shocks everyone by taking a job as a car salesman. Huh, this sounds hilarious. Yeah, and I think uh, also next week, maybe in the top of the show, we can go over our top episodes of season one. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be pretty easy. What were we gonna do? Top three? Is that what we were gonna do? I was thinking I about it yesterday. Do, yeah. I think I think we should do top three. We should do bronze, silver, gold. Yeah. Because I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, okay, we used to do top five. We tried to limit it to top five in um, like, but with like but, three but or four honorable season- mentions. Yeah, that was in a season of 22, 23 episodes. We, yes. We can't do a top five in a season of 10. No, no, but but I was thinking, I was like, okay, five episodes is, let's say, one-fourth of, the, <laughs> of, of, the, of a Seinfeld season. Um, so we're or, actually giving more leeway to doing a, doing a top three. We're That's doing, what I think. Uh, it's one-third. I know. It's more. Yeah. It's more episodes by, if you measure it like that. So I was like, should we do two? Because at least that's one-fifth. Nah. Just like. Nah, we'll do, do, we'll yeah. do bronze, silver, gold. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate that, but I would have done I would have done the other one, too, because, uh, you know, three is, three. I was thinking about it, it's like, three is like one-third, a little bit more than one-third of the entire series, and, and we didn't do that with. I mean, I tried to do it. I guess, like, my top eight was like one-third of the Seinfeld season. <laughs> um. <laughs> So okay, so top three next week. I I already know what my number one is going to be. I've talked about it ever since we saw it. But but filling in those last two because I liked this one. I got a lot of laughs out of it, and it was a, it was a it was a yeah a well written show, and it came around in a circle like I like these episodes to do. The beginning of the episode, you know, came back at the end, or or, or some part of it came back and hoisted Larry by his own petard. Yeah, it uh, season one definitely took a little bit for me to get into yeah. i will say that i don't i don't think that was any surprise yeah that it was going to take a bit for me to get into especially uh for anyone listening to this who listened to the first couple episodes i'm like oh, <laughs> God, this this was an awful idea we shouldn't have <laughs> we shouldn't have moved to curb Never this show's gonna suck our yeah. show's gonna suck now uh but i i'm i'm actually enjoying it now it took um i think until i think it was until episode three for me to like actually start enjoying it yeah, it took. I think that's. It took me till episode three to remember what I liked about it too, and and for it to find its uh, voice and find its footing, and and so I'm excited now going into episode, uh, going into season two, uh, to to continue. Um, okay, is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.